Welcome everybody to Nurse Hathaway's Heaven. For today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about being new in the emergency department. And really, if you're new to any department, this could apply to you. So if you're a new grad and you're getting acclimated to the unit that you're working in, this really could be helpful to you, this podcast. So we're going to talk about some things that could prove to be very helpful for you as far as being brand new, not only as a new nurse, but also being new to the emergency department. So in a critical care area, it's a little bit different um, than some of the floors, perhaps, just because of the personalities that tend to migrate to um, ED nursing. And again, I'm not an ICU nurse. I cannot speak to ICU. I'm just strictly speaking towards emergency department nurses. So we have a lot of personalities that flock to our specialty that tend to be more assertive, not passive. Um, We will never use the word aggressive because I don't believe that there's a difference between assertive and aggressive. So very assertive people are going to flock to emergency department nursing because you have to think independently You have to be proactive instead of reactive. You constantly have to be on your toes thinking about probably about 10 different things at any given point in time. And so when you're new, that is really, really quite a task. So let's talk a little bit about getting acclimated. So the first thing is, of course, you go through general hospital orientation and that tends to be Somewhat interesting if you've never heard all of that information before. Um, a little bit overwhelming if you're brand new to nursing because you think to yourself, well, they never taught us any of this in school, uh, which is generally speaking very true. Um, policies and procedures that are specific to your facility or your organization should be discussed, such as blood transfusion. You'll talk about joint commission, uh, certain goals and regulatory issues that you never even knew existed. As a student nurse, you had no idea. You may have heard some nurses talking about it uh, when you were working on the floor or just even observing in a unit. However, you're only there for a certain amount of hours, so you really didn't get into the nuts and bolts of it. So... It can be really confusing and somewhat overwhelming just in the first two, we'll say two eight-hour days that you have for general hospital orientation because they talk about, everybody knows about HIPAA, but there's a lot of other things that they talk about and it can be very overwhelming, particularly, excuse me, particularly patient safety goals and national patient satisfaction Um all of those things can be overwhelming because you think, well, we, we did not cover any of this in school, which is very true. So it's kind of a crash course into what you're going to get into when you get out onto the unit. So when you get to the emergency department, you should be assigned a preceptor or someone that was you're basically going to shadow for X amount of shifts. So as a nurse educator in the emergency department, I usually put my new grads out Mm, I had them in orientation anywhere from up to three and a half months, which sounds almost excessive. However, when you think about it, there's that's actually short. Um, so it depended on the the nurse, 
the new nurse. If I didn't feel like they were ready at 12 and a half weeks, give or take, I put them out to 15, 16 weeks. So it just depended on the actual nurse themselves. You know, as a nurse educator in the ED, it's important we don't set anybody up for failure. So my biggest thing that I would always do is set up the orientee with a preceptor who I kind of felt like they matched a little bit or offset each other. You know, you don't want to put two people alike that are exactly alike because what's going to happen? They're going to bump heads and then that's a whole nother issue. But somebody who, I once I met the new nurse that was coming to our department, I kind of got a feel for their personality. Or sometimes I was just on the panel, the interviewing panel, so I got a good feel for them that way. And then talking to them in private and um, that helped me really set people up for success because I'd match them with the preceptor that I really felt would help that particular nurse get to the next level because that's also very important. I mean, your preceptor can make or break the first few months of your nursing career. And I do feel like what I'm hearing from a lot of new nurses is they're leaving after a year. They're leaving after six, eight months, 12 months. They're out of there. So to me, that's a huge investment. You're talking over well over $40,000. In a critical care area, it's more like 50 or 60K because they have to take ACLS, they have to take PALS, they have to take TNCC, they have to take EMPC. So all of those are two-day courses. So then you have to take into consideration they don't have any EKG training. So then there's an EKG course. If you have a nurse residency program, if you're in level one trauma center that has a nurse residency program, it's even more money. Because obviously, you know, the hospital's paying you to go to the ICU. So you're going to MICU. So you're going to the MI side and then you're going to the SI side and then you're going to the ED and then you're rotating through to the neuro ICU. So you're getting paid for all of those shifts that you're actually not even in your home area, which is going to be the emergency department. But they want to expose you to all of those areas so that you understand who, what, when, where, why. So when your patient goes to another unit what you can expect from that nurse and what that nurse does for a living. And kind of it it fosters a lot of mutual respect. Um, A good nurse residency program uh, will kind of tour the new nurse through a lot of different areas so that when they do go to their home unit, which is, you know, the emergency department, when you go to the ED, you understand what the ICU nurse is doing. You understand because you hung out with them. They showed you you know, we do this, that, and the other. Here's the ICP monitor. Here's the A-line. Here's how we do ECMO, whatever. So you understand their side of the coin so that when you're calling to give a report, there's that mutual respect and mutual understanding, which in a lot of places, a lot of hospitals that I have worked in has been lacking because typically you'll hear, oh, ED hates ICU and ICU hates ED nurses, which is really... Not true, but there's been a lot of go around between the two units because they may not have had an understanding of what an an ER nurse does or, you know, they don't understand. So that when we call or we send a patient over, they have a certain, you know, 
misconception or whatever isn't construed in their brain of what we did and what we didn't do. However, they weren't there when they the patient hit the door. They don't know, you know, how we'd run a trauma. Um, we run our codes by ourselves. And so there's just a lot of differences and variances. And so when you're in a really good nurse residency program, you get to go around to the different areas and then you see all the different critical care specialties. Like if you had a burn unit, you would go to the burn unit and see what the burn nurses do. And I think it's really eye-opening and wonderful, but not every new grad is going to go to a level one academic teaching facility. So in your hospital, you might not have that. So then you go to out to your unit with your preceptor. And you'll shadow that person, like you say, anywhere from 12 to 15 weeks. The biggest thing is to have an understanding that that person, try to understand that person's background. So ask a lot of questions. So, you know, how long have you been a nurse is is fine. Uh, What's, you know, your background? You know, did you come from tele? Did you come from ICU? Did you try to get an understanding of what your preceptor's background is? Because that's going to help you in the long run and ask as many questions as you can so there's going to be an orientation specific to the ed but you're going to have to do a lot of work on your own to be honest with you when i was new we didn't have google we didn't have wikipedia we did not have smartphones we literally had books so when i did not understand what arnold chariari syndrome was or i didn't understand avm malformation I actually had to go to the physician books and look it up, which actually helped me immensely. And I think it's a good thing that we do have some technology. However, I also think that it's created a little bit of a crutch for some people who aren't willing to go the extra mile. They aren't willing to read a journal article. And so they just Google it and get the answer. Well, Okay, that's great for the time being, but did you really learn it? You see what I'm saying? So if you can have like a little book of brains or what I like to give out, and I've given it out to um, new grads before that I've taught. Um, It's just like a little emergency and critical care pocket guide. And it's a little flip book. It fits in your scrub pocket. It's perfect. Um, It actually has like ACLS, advanced airway management, stroke protocols, PALS, emergency medications, just different medical emergencies that are pretty common that you'll see in the ED, Uh, trauma, poisons, and overdoses. So you see a lot of ODs and you see a lot of toxicological emergencies. Nothing in school, in nursing school, prepares you for those things. So you might need this little guide and you just kind of flip to it. For instance, it has all the medications. So you just flip to medication, say rocuronium. So you're going to give rock for RSI. And at the moment, the heat of the moment's not the time. Of course, sometimes you actually have to be in a separate role. So you might be the scribe or you might be the nurse that's charting. But later you're like, rocuronium, what the heck was that? Um, and then you look it up and you're like, oh, it's a paralytic. Um, here's the dose. It actually gives you a dose 0.6 to 1.2. Usually it's one big per kilo. How fast does it work? One to three minutes. What's the contraindications? Of course, impaired hepatic or respiratory function or severe obesity. And some of the side effects, which usually are the top three or top four, which, you know, we're not going to look at all of them. Uh, Bronchospasm, which is important to know. 
uh, dysrhythmias, hypertension, and or hypertension depends on the patient. So this little book is very handy. The particular one that I like is made by Informed, I-N-F as in Frank O-R, Informed. And again, I just got it off of Amazon. And it's waterproof, it's alcohol proof, so you know, you get something on it, you can just wipe it off and clean it, whatever. That is the most important thing, is knowing where your resources are. So, of course, every computer system, whether EMR, every hospital has online micromedics, that type of thing. Or if you have Cerner, you can right-click on the med and open it up and look at what the medication is. So there's a a lot of, or like I do, 90% of the time is they just call pharmacy and ask them. I don't know something. I just call them and ask them. Now that's not to say I don't look it up first because I typically do. However, sometimes there's like a dosing question or you have to mix a medication and reconstitute it. And you're like, well, do I mix this with sterile water or mix it with 0.9? Um, these are questions you don't know off the top of your head, and it would be labor intensive to look it up. So sometimes you just call pharmacy, but having your little book of brains as a new grad, because you're going to need it when you get out on your own. Like you're still going to have people to ask. You'll always have your senior nurses, your charge nurse, and sometimes your preceptor will be on the same shift as you, which is very comfortable. Sometimes they kick you out to a different shift so then you go out to nights or afternoons or between what I call the tweener shift like 11 to 11 15 to 0300 and so you might have a whole different group of people and you just need to know where your resources are because you never want to flounder it's it's the ER you know you'll get eaten alive if you're floundering and you don't know something and you don't know where to look for it time is of the essence you're just getting farther and farther behind so you just need to know where your resources are and again developing your own little book of brains whether that's just the actual little flip card of of notes that you have or like I said this one on Amazon I think it was like 9.99 but it has all your um, ACLS, your PALS, trauma stuff in there for you. And as a new grad, it's just perfect because you really do need that. And that's just so important. I mean, you always have your go-to person, but again, it's nice to just look something up and reiterate it in your brain um, because you're not always going to have that crutch or that, that person that you're used to to ask Um, some other questions that I always get asked are like what to wear, you know, shoes, shoe wise, you pretty much need to find out what works for you. I wear dance goes, but other people don't like dance goes because they say they're too flat or too hard on their feet. You really just have to find the right shoe for you. And over and over, I've heard, you know, podiatrists say, don't wear running shoes because you're actually not running. You're actually working and standing for long periods of time. So 12-hour shift, you figure I get a 30-minute break if I'm lucky. Um, definitely get those compression stockings. No matter if you're 22 or 42, you need them because they're they're just critical. And, of course, you've got your stethoscope, your trauma shares, your hemostat, um, tape, Um, your book of brains, all of that should be on your person at all times. Oh, and I always have goggles too. 
So sometimes I wear goggles on top of my head just because if I get into a nasty wound or something starts spurting out, um, I always want to be seen safe, protect your eyes. And of course, you'll have your gloves in every room, but make sure that you have those tools of the trade is what I like to call them. So make sure you have those types of things. Just, you know, a quick little thing for, you can get hemostats on Amazon if you need them. But sometimes you just need them to like take lids off and do other things with them. And sometimes people are like, I don't need hemostats, but the one time you need them, like you've got a really tough IV port and you can't um, disconnect it by hand because some strong medic did it. He he put it on there really tight and you can't get it off. So then you need your hemostats. So those are kind of the tools of the trade and then what to wear, of course. Um, you always want to be comfortable um, and you always want to follow your dress code according to your hospital policy and procedure. And one other thing is I really don't um, recommend that new grads go out to triage right away. So if that's on your radar as a new grad, kind of put it in the back of your brain because you are not really going to be out there for a while. So, for instance, I wouldn't even let my new grads go out there, I think, maybe even six months. I mean, you just need to get used to the back. So, you need to understand the flow. Yes, you need to understand, you know, you have 32 patients in triage and you've got ambulances. You know, ambos are coming in left and right. And you've got two trauma alerts. That's important to know. But you're not going to go out to triage and manage 30 patients plus when you don't understand what an ESI level is, which is, you know, our emergency severity index one through five. And you'll learn that because you'll be in the back and you'll understand when you get a two, it's like a status asthmaticus. Okay, this patient might need intubated. Or if you get a level one, that's a resuscitation. It's probably a trauma alpha, not a trauma bravo, and the patient's critically ill or dying. So they're a true resuscitation. So but you'll learn that in the back. So you don't need to worry about going out to triage and having to juggle like 20 or 30 patients, uh, whatever the case may be on any given day. So don't worry about triage until they send you to the triage class. And then you'll learn that skill set as well. Definitely familiarize yourself with legal ramifications. So EMTALA, um, that type of thing, you'll need to go over that with your preceptor and learn and understand what that is. Giving report is another big hurdle. Um, for most grads, they're like, I've never given report before. Well, we teach SBAR. Um, most of the time, most nursing schools are familiar with SBAR. However, you've never actually got it on the phone and called nurse to nurse report. So it can be terrifying the first time that you do it. Um, however, you will live and then we'll ask you questions and you won't know the answer to the questions and it's totally fine. So you just look it up on the EMR when they ask the questions and then you learn each time you do it and you get a little bit better until you develop your own style of giving a report or your own order. I like to call it order because I go in a certain order every patient, every time. And it would be helpful if when your preceptor is giving a report that you actually sit right next to them and listen to every word that they say and kind of jot down their order so that 
you know, if you feel like, hey, I can work with this. This is a good order for me. Then you can look at that and perhaps incorporate that into your practice. But if you can listen to a couple different nurses give reports, so every time you get bedside handoff, so you're getting shift report, you're going bed to bed to bed and giving bedside handoff, listen to how each nurse gives report because there's a huge difference between good, mediocre, and not so good bedside report. So that's very crucial. And the other thing that I'll just mention um, before we end this podcast is to take care of yourself and self-care, which, of course, they do not talk about in nursing school. They're like, oh, pick up as much overtime as you can because you're a new grad. You need to pay off your loans. No, I'm going to go with the opposite of that. You need to take care of yourself and you have to have self-care. And by that, I mean... If you can't care for yourself, you certainly can't care for your patients. And being a new grad, the whole first year is like a huge roller coaster of emotions. You know, you're up, you're down, you're all around. There are times where you want to scream, cry, have a nervous breakdown, wait to get in your vehicle to drive home to do that. Uh, Don't let them see you have all of these waves of emotion because you are trying to establish rapport with physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, um, other nurses that you work with. So you do kind of have to have a little bit of a poker face and not react. And again, you're there as a new person, so you kind of need to keep your mouth shut and your ears open and learn as much as you can. So don't be yakety yak 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 about your weekend and you did this. Nobody cares because you're the new person. So kind of take that under advisement. You need to learn about the people that are on your unit. And then when they get to know you a little bit better, then they'll start to ask you about your life and your kids and your husband and everything that's going on in your life. But when you're there initially is not the time to have word vomit about yourself. Nobody cares. You're the new person. Your job is to learn about everybody else and and then... Then eventually you can make some relationships and then you can talk a little bit more about yourself. But just know that as the new person, it's better to keep a low profile. And again, so when you're on a 12-hour shift, it's very time, labor, physically, emotionally, mentally trying. You know, people say, well, you only work three days a week. Well, there are very long shifts and they're very, again physically, emotionally, and mentally demanding. So you need to take care of yourself. That means exercise regularly. If that's what you do, you will like to run, get, take, take your time and go for your run and plan that into your schedule. Don't start skipping workouts. Um, eating is another huge one for nurses who have never been on night shift before. It's a whole time that you have to get accustomed I mean there's the sleeping pattern then there's the eating pattern and of course that takes time to adjust in addition to you're new it's stressful every shift you're just learning so many different things and it's kind of mind-blowing but you really just need to take care of yourself if the weather's nice you go out you take a walk get out into nature go camping do whatever it is that you want to do so if you're a swimmer swim if you're a runner run 
make sure you're taking just your three hour or three 12 hour shifts. Don't be trying to pick up an extra Dinkin and Dunkin and picking up extra here and extra there. As a new person, as a new grad, it is not recommended. You know, you you are overwhelmed as it is because you're learning so much in a short period of time. You really need to take care of yourself. So taking care of yourself and rejuvenating on your days off really allows you to go back on shift each time and bring your A game and be ready to learn more because that's what's going to happen. Because the ED is a very fast-paced environment. It's not going to be like slow where you can just look up meds. And there's not going to be a lot of downtime. And contrary to popular belief, nights isn't exactly the quiet shift. There is no quiet shift in ED. It's it's pretty much brutal, fast-paced all the time. So you kind of need to keep that in mind. Just think, oh, I'm going to work nights. It's going to be more laid back or you know the people are their own people there are people that prefer to work nights but it's not just going to be quiet and and you need to push that out of your brain the only thing I can say is you actually have less resources on nights I used to work nights for like eight and a half years so you don't have extra nurses you don't have management or administration around you have bare bones sometimes it's it's less so you do more with less and I will say that our crew always just we just looked at one another and knew kind of what the other one was thinking so it was very nice so there's a lot of camaraderie kinship friendship uh sisterhood brotherhood uh, because you have less people you actually work really well together as a team and you bond together when things are bad and you end up getting everything done so that's kind of the gist for new grads in the ED Uh, we can actually talk a little bit more about orientation and some things that you need to do and probably just make a part two to this podcast so thank you very much for your time you guys have a great day evening afternoon what have you take care bye-bye